Hello and welcome to episode six. Yeah, I think we're on six. Of Super Testing yeah. Bros. Uh, I'm James. I'm Dan. And we're here today with uh, Toria. Hiya. And Paul. Hello. Uh, do you two want to take uh, just a couple of seconds to introduce yourselves? Uh, Paul, maybe do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. Hi, my name's uh, Paul Maxwell Walters. I'm a, a, a software tester, originally from the UK, but based in Sydney. Um, I work for a consultancy called Avocado Consulting that, uh, you know, is mostly centered around sort of the banking industry and a bit of the uh, public sector. I'm currently working at a bank, Rollerbank. Um, you can, I, I blog, you can uh, find my blog at testingrants.blogspot.com and I also have a Twitter handle at, um, at testingrants. Cool. Toria? Yeah, hi, I'm Toria. I'm um, at Pushpay. I'm a, a QA engineer and somewhat of a generalist in in the QA area so the particular thing we're talking about today is going to be of great interest to me for the types of tester. Cool. Cool. So on to the news. So James, um, while we were in while we were in Manchester later this year, you well, thought you might well, go and try and see <clears throat> Manchester United. Okay. This isn't news so much as a rant really. Look I've so we're going to Test Bash in Manchester. Uh, conveniently, there's a popular football team over there that I might try and uh, try and watch while I'm there. And so I thought the football fixtures were announced this week, so I thought I'd log on and, and, and try and get tickets. And the user experience in doing that is so phenomenally, unbelievably bad. So to start with, you need to register for the site. I logged in and was presented with a screen that said, welcome, you are on a waiting list to log in. It will take 30 to 60 minutes. Wait list, just before you've even seen a form. Uh, Yeah, which is, uh, I understand that, you know, servers get busy and stuff. It's it's an okay way to handle it, I guess, but, uh, you know, that, that could be done a whole lot better. Do you think it's some kind of bot prevention? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, I've I've seen a similar thing actually uh, with the Sydney Opera House website. If you want to go buy a gig there, or you'll buy a ticket for a gig, they put you on a waiting list for about half an hour. Really? And then you just have to find your place in the queue and refresh the screen. Yeah, interesting. It's more and more common these days. Yeah, I I wonder. I mean, I guess it's a way of managing traffic. You know, in this case, fixture list had just been announced, so the website was guaranteed to be busy. But I don't know if it's the. Surely, there's a better solution. Anyway, you can always um, go and watch City. Go and watch what? Man City. Uh, um, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I could do that. I think my wife would leave me. Um, <laughs> uh, following on from that, I just had a bunch of problems logging in. They have a max limit. So my, my password couldn't be more than 12 characters long. Secure. When, so I had registered for this site a long time ago, but forgotten login details. That's, you know, password reset stuff. It took me through, I, after my half hour wait, I managed to get through the, the registration process. Um, I didn't give any sort of details as to where they send the, the tickets to. And what I noticed was that it just sent them to my, mum and dad's house, which was where I must have lived when I originally registered for the site five years ago. So I thought I'll change that. Went back to the login, clicked on the, you know, 
update my details link, which takes you to a password reset flow. You have to enter your old password and your new password, you know, the, the, the kind of thing, before I could even look at changing my address. Refreshing the screen, wiped my membership details. It, it was just, I don't know, it was just a bad experience overall. So I just wanted to complain. I'm, I'm, Jose Mourinho, if you're listening, get it sorted, please. Yeah. Um, you're not paying Zlatan anymore, so... <laughs> so we've got some money for the website? Yeah. Well, I, know they're, they're, I know they're pretty IT hard team, up. That would, What's that? I think that would pay for an entire IT team. Yeah. Wages. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. Well, you've got to feel for these big budget man, uh, Premier League teams. They've not got a lot of money to throw around, have they? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. So. Hey, did you get good tickets? That's the main thing. Well, no, now I'm on... So, now I'm on the waiting... I, I, I have successfully entered the draw to get tickets, maybe. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This sounds like a fabulous experience. <laughs> anyway. Have you um, ever been to watch Man, uh, Man United play before? I have done. Yeah, we went for a honeymoon, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, went, I went once with my girlfriend at the time uh, to watch Manchester United against Blackburn Rovers. She's a, she was a big Man United fan. Uh, I'm a Leeds fan. We sat in the home end. Oh. Man United 1-7-1. Oh. <laughs> you do below. The things you do below. Yeah. That's what Berbatov scored Good for, for you. right? Yes. Yeah. I was awesome. sitting behind that goal. Oh. That would, that, that's a brilliant experience. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. Unfortunately, we've timed this recording really well. So, um, Sheffield United, your fixture list comes out in a couple of days. I'm going to be looking at your... Payment experience. Make sure it's up to scratch. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we'll be ranting at you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, this isn't this isn't actually a football podcast. No. Um, what else is going on, Dan? Um, so, testing trapeze came out, um, which I had an awesome article by yourself, James. Yeah, um, that's really good. Other than plugging you, I found a really awesome, uh, interesting article by Nikki West. Um, sort of talking about sort of automation and who who should be doing it. Partially disagree with it a little way. Um, it was seemed to be leaning towards developers should be writing tests and testers should be testing. And I agree that taking testers away from testing takes them away from what they're strong at. Um, but I do believe that sort of automation is it's almost becoming its own discipline. In itself, um, so you think there's a role kind of in the middle there? Yeah, I think there's sort of, it's big enough and popular enough and independent enough that it's 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 its own dis- discipline now, and it yeah. should be recognised as such. And that's my my own opinion anyway. Yeah, I definitely agree that develop good developers write good tests, and you need to have a good development skill set to be a good writer of automation tests. Um, but yeah, I think there is certainly Perhaps you consider a specialization, which either developers or testers could, could sort of grow themselves into. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason developers don't tend to write tests most of the time is because they don't want to. Whereas automation testers, as they're currently you know, want to be writing these tests. So, oh, yeah. How um, do you. F- how do you I do think that. that sorry, Don. No, you go. Okay, I think that. Um, in a sense, it depends on how developers are incentivized. I mean, if developers are expected to get functions out as quickly as possible, then sometimes they, you know, they they put up their, their hands up and say, "Well, I haven't got time to write tests." I've seen that in a couple of places I've worked in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
there is a there is a way of looking at it, which is I, I went to a talk by Richard Bradshaw when he was in Sydney, um, beginning of the year, and he talked about testers as being people who who write scenarios for automated testers to automate, so that uh, the, the, the testers come up with high level scenarios, the test automators write them. Yeah. Uh, and that could be a good way of uh, bridging the gap. Yeah, right. Yeah, there definitely needs to be close collaboration between these three. I'm not saying you go and sit in completely different buildings and never talk to each other. Um, close collaboration, we all know, makes better software. But I just feel that automation can, deserves to be recognized as its own discipline. And they're sort of to move away from this push to automate all testers. Yeah, I agree. I also, I also think that uh, developers are quite often too close to their own code to be able to write meaningful tests about it. Um, it'd be quite difficult to not just write tests that worked because you know exactly how it works. So it's good for a test to come in from the outside and figure out what code sh what tests should be automated, like you say, and... And I agree with you about test automation being its own, should be in its own space a little bit, but tightly aligned with everybody else. It, I've recently did a module at university, actually, I'm still a part-time student, uh, on uh, pen testing and security testing. Oh, yeah. And a lot, most of that is quite heavily automated these days. There are a whole bunch of tools for that. But pen nobody seems to have a problem with pen testing being separate or a separate field from the main body of testing, it seems to work pretty well there. Yeah, exactly. And I see that automation could be a bit like that. Yeah. Yeah, so like a specialization. Yeah. Yeah. And James, you found, um, talking about automation, you found us some good Source Labs courses? Oh, yeah, you know, I forgot to write it down, but if you, if you go to the Source Labs website, they're offering now free training on Selenium and, uh, and Appium. I haven't checked it out yet, but it's, you know, it's a... Wow. Interesting little tidbit that's probably worth uh, worth investigating. Yeah, maybe we'll stick a link up when we put the pod up. Yeah, yeah, and I'll try and um, dig into it at some point, and um, maybe in the next couple of pods give it, give some feedback. But you know, it's a thing that exists. So to move on to our um, main topic for today, and it kind of ties in with what we we're talking about there with automation being its own role. We were rereading re recently the James Bach blog from 2013, Seven Kinds of Testers, and it sparked some good conversations, so we thought we should put it on record and, and invite Paul and Victoria to join in with us. Yeah, it's something James Bach came up with a while ago. One of the first sort of testing events I went to was, was, was going through this stuff, these seven types of testers and sort of trying to pick which one you are and, you know what the different types are. So it's it's something that's resonated with me for some time. Yeah, I don't know if we want to maybe just go through the list real quickly first. Yeah, so there's the administrative tester. They're very much focused on to-do lists and clearing the obstacles, um, getting things done, being in meetings, tracking achievements, and sort of taking care of the, the admin, administrative. Kind yeah, of gives, yeah, there's, gives, there's sort of a checklisting. When I think of administrative, I think of the checklisting yeah. sort of thing. Next one on the list is the technical tester, which is primarily, I think, of tooling. Um, so people that like to build tools to, to make uh, life as testers easier. Number three is analytical tester, which is uh, more about modeling, mathematics. When I think of the analytical tester, I think of mind maps and that sort of thing. 
I think a bit of data diving in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got the social tester who works is well testing alongside people, mm-hmm. um, peer testing, maybe buddying up with developers, sort of very human interaction in how they test. Uh, the emphatic tester who really gets themselves diving deep into the product as not quite the same as a user expert, but uh, very close to understanding how all the parts work and all the background to it. Uh, and then the final two are kind of testing roles for non-testers. So you've got the user expert, who is generally like I think of a product manager when I think of a user expert or a product owner, um, who's someone product focused who puts himself in the, in the user's shoes. Uh, and then the final one is, is a developer. So not sort of further back from a, from a technical tester, a developer does testing. Uh, so you've got things like unit tests, um, that sort of thing. Uh, some of the automation stuff I guess we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think yeah. automation probably also fits inside that technical tester to a, to a degree as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does make an acronym, use data, if you rearrange the, the letters. So user expert, social tester, empathic tester. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that. Oh. Yeah, so, you know. So, those are, that's a, that's a quick overview of the seven types of testers. Where do you fit, Toria? Right, I, I have read over these, and I can really more say where I don't fit. Um, I'm, I'm not a particularly administrative tester. I'm not very good at even checking the boxes, let alone creating the boxes to check. <laughs> yeah. I'm slightly technical because I have been, I have done quite a lot of developing anyway. I'm quite analytical. I love um, the diagrams and mind maps and things like that. And I like data analysis. I like using the SQLs to work at, to do my testing. Um, probably my strongest <laughs> and something I should work at being on a little less strong is the social testing. And I'm probably more user focused than developer focused in, in general overall. So I've put myself in the social empathic analysis with some technical things. And I think it says during, in the um, article, it says many people across many areas, they're not all. Yeah, I, I think from talking to people about it, it's kind of one you identify with most, but then you, you sort of have your fingers in lots of other ones, those, those categories as well. Right. So yeah. if I was going to narrow it down to one, it would probably be social tester. Yeah. Paul, yourself? Yeah, I, mean, I thought about this at length, actually. Um, I started off being very much an empathic tester, especially when I first started my career. Yeah. And I think I think I developed myself more as a technical tester as time went on because I had to learn how to do automation for the for one of the jobs I was at. Mm. Now, actually, I find myself wearing an administrative tester hat, an analytical tester hat, more and more because I'm at a company which is very process driven. So you have to do all your test plans in advance. You know. You have kind of fairly long waterfall cycles. There's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of meetings and resources, things like that. So I'm finding myself, and it's a bit of a pick-up, but I'm getting there slowly, um, that a more administrative and a more analytical tester hat. I spend a lot of time studying requirements, outlining things, um, trying to create models. Oh, yeah. 
So uh, you, you feel like you're sort of switching hats as the as the role demands. I think that's the. I think that's possibly the way I see this article. Uh, maybe if it's a flaw in the article, is the idea that I see these things as hats that you put on, depending on the assignment that you're in and the job that you're in. Oh yeah. Things that we we develop or that we have to develop before we're going to succeed in that environment. I don't see these as individual personality types or types of testers. I see these as skills that you develop. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you there. I, I sort of think that there is, they are all skills you want to have as a tester. I do think probably uh, I, I'm naturally inclined to, well, in my case, this, the social tester is what I, I like to do. But they're all definitely things you want to, and, and will have to do at some point in your testing career, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's a really good point you make, Paul, because looking at that list, I immediately uh, found myself drawn to sort of the empathic and the social tester roles. But then thinking about it, like like you mentioned, there are times when I've had to wear the administrative tester very heavily or the analytical tester quite heavily. And I've been that my role has been very focused on those those roles. But I think personally, naturally and happiest in the, that social and empathic role. I think the other the other thing that's interesting is that in from a more abstract point of view, on this article it's about hiring people. And I think if you're hiring testers, you yourself are going to hire people who are perhaps either like you or or work in the same way as you do. Mm-hmm. So you're quite likely to hire a number of administrative testers or a number of analytical testers or who have those qualities as their strengths. So you end up with, with groups of people who, are, who reinforce each other's strengths, which in the case of perhaps being a social tester, it's reinforced within a, within a group to be a social tester. That could be quite a concern then if you're recruiting. You could end up with a quite lopsided yeah, and unbalanced team. That was my thoughts on that, that it could get. You might need to weigh it up with some technical testing or something. Paul? I think that you raise a point which um, is uh, it's interesting with this particular article. Uh, I, you know, I find it quite reductive. As well, I mean, if you're in a, it, the, the tendency is to look at somebody in an interview and say, "Oh, he is going to be like an administrative tester because of his experience or the way he outlines his skills." And I think that doesn't in an interview it's difficult to uh, really convey the full range of skills you have or the full range of experiences you have. And the danger with an article like this, I think, is that you can actually put people into boxes, which I don't think helps the interview process. No, it it does come with all the caveats that go with putting with these kind of categorizations, right? It's this, it's similar to I don't know if you've ever done a Myers Briggs test or um, what's the other one, the other comparison the uh, the five love languages actually is another a good way of sort of um, putting yourself in a box, but it you know it comes with the caveat that this is just a, a guide. You are not locked into this. Yeah. Most people's skill set uh, is much broader than, than that, but it's just a, a way of identifying what you, you might align yourself with best or, or what someone else might align themselves with best. There is often a danger in going, well, I'm a social tester, therefore I can't do the analysis, which is not, you know, that would be taking this to, to the wrong extreme. 
Definitely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're very different skills. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, going back to the recruiting point, it, it could, you could use an article like this to help um, construct your job description to suggest the, to advertise and draw in the kind of people that you are looking for. And also that if you're, and you may want to tweak or modify your recruitment process in order to give people a chance to demonstrate better without you having to jump to a conclusion which, which role they may prefer. I agree. I think it's actually very good for the tester when he's applying for jobs to decide the kind of company he wants to, if he or she wants to work in based on this list. If you know, for example, that you're a very administrative tester, there are certain environments that cater for that more. Definitely. So you can either look at those environments or structure your CV accordingly. Yeah, so for instance, um, I'm going to make some judgments and prejudices here, but like the banking industry, for example, I would expect that to be more administrative, more analytical, whereas a, a startup may be more social and em emphatic, empathic, rather. Um, yeah, and health. Any anywhere that where there are a lot of uh, markers to meet. So the airline industry, you have to meet all these particular requirements. Health, you have to meet particular requirements. So you know, in that, in those cases, an administrative tester might might well is going to add more value perhaps to what you're trying to do. Um, I love people who are administrative testers because I'm not so much. So it's really good to be able to give work that I have that they would enjoy more than me to, to allow an administrative person to do that. Yeah, and I think that's where something like this is strong, is that you know if I know someone else in my team has identified themselves as one category which I'm less strong in, then, you know, Pair up, work together, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Pair up, not not just give them. The word. <laughs> I think that one of, one of the uh, interesting things about this article is um, uh, the various warnings that are given. In, in so, so it, it encourages people to be reflective and look at the upsides and the downsides of their particular strengths according to this list. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, empathic tester, wanting empathic testers typically have a difficult time putting to words what they do and how they do it. And I think that's true. I think we look at things in terms of feelings of how the customer might see things, how the user might see things. And sometimes it is difficult to articulate, and that encourages us to develop certain communication skills. I think it's good in that point of view. Yep. Yeah, I see the, the, the warning on the social testers. One is that... Um, Social testers can get lazy and seem like they're mooching off other people's work, which is... Um, <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> not true. <laughs> uh, I would, I would I like actually, yeah. agree with that one. He uh, says uh, that they, they can get lazy. I think it's just more that they can appear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's probably what the, um, the intent is there. And I think there's, a, there's another type which I thought wasn't here, which is basically the pedantic tester, um, which is somebody who can be given a set of steps to repeat again and again and again, and they simply must meet a narrow guidelines. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th I think that's a type because there are people who love to know exactly what they're doing next, what, you know, and that's how they work, 
and they can make very good pedantic testers. Um, and they're not going to be exploratory. They're not going to be uh, use other techniques that, that a lot of other testers use. Um, and they're going to be very happy doing that. Okay. Yeah, I kind of read that some of that, that at least crosses over a lot with the administrative tester. I love the checklists. It seems like the extreme end of administrative testers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, fair cool. Taking it to its conclusion. Fair cool. I think another end of the administrative tested side could be also the very standards driven tester. You know, the one who, you know, has to tick all the boxes in the ISTQB 829. You know, the documentation has to be exactly a certain way. All, yep. you know, the, and they would be very, very suitable to uh, very process and very compliance driven environments. I think the various industries can can learn from this to get the strengths from each area though. I think, yes, in banking or airlines or medical, there is a need to have very clearly documented, we have done A, B and C to make sure that this plane isn't going to fall out of the sky. Mm. <laughs> but additionally, there's also a lot of value in there for an exploratory tester or a social tester. They can add levels of expertise and find things that the administrative tester isn't going to find. Yep. Um, very true. Find, finding balance is really important. So would you say these are more skills than types? I I think they're both, if I can if I can answer that way. I think they are there'll be a type that you identify with. But they're also sort of skill sets that you can can draw on. Because I'm thinking of the of the saying you can you can teach the skills, but you can't teach the attitude. And I think a lot of people are testers; they're inborn testers. That is where they are going to be most comfortable. So these are kind of skills to add to that, and ways to build out your own testing your, your own testing I mean personality. I think they're a bit more like hats or mindsets that you adopt based on the environment you're in mm -hmm. or the kind of project yeah. you're on. I mean, yes, they are skills uh, to a degree, but I would also say they are ways of looking at a particular testing job or a testing approach. I mean, I worked for a very, very, uh, I worked in a very small team, a digital media company, and though it was about being a very social tester because we had, but we had very, we didn't document a lot. We, uh, um, a lot of it was face-to-face -face contact, working in a very small team of developers and project managers and BAs. So you had to be able to communicate at all levels. You had to be very, very social in that environment. And um, that, it worked very well there. When I came into banking, uh, it was very different. But I had to learn to adapt a new mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see them very much more like almost like sporting positions. If you think of a football team, you've got your goalkeeper, your defenders, your midfielders, your attackers, and they've all got a lot. This wasn't the football <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say something I'm, I'm about tickets. <laughs> um, but you've got a lot of skills that are common to all: fitness, passing, technique, control. Hmm. But then there are sort of specialized skills within each of those roles. Yeah. I think this is a good way of describing those roles. Yeah, I wonder if the T model applies. You yeah, know, you kind of you you have the the breadth of different uh, testing hats, as you might say, but then one that you just are, are 
deeper in and and mm. that's your what your, your your basis that's what holds you up yeah or or that's the area that you can easily do without hardly trying you can be in one of these things but you have to make more effort to be strong mm. in another in another hat wearing area in a, under a different hat you have to work harder yeah i, I feel like you can you can do a job in an administrative tester role, mm. but you're not going to be world-class unless that's your natural fit. You're not going to be that yeah. world-class level mm. tester. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, I think, no, I think that's a really good way I think of doing the, the, I think one of the great um, aspects of this blog is it focuses the mind on the kind of places where you think you will succeed. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and simply your personality as well will just, just something will appeal to you more. Yeah, and returning to the point of sort of the, the job seekers, it's when you're reading a job interview, a job description, and you, you're thinking about how it's going to fit for you, this is a good way of sort of using, analysing the job description and analysing yourself yep. and, and making that, that whether seeing how it marries up. Yeah. Although if the, if the job description is written by... A test manager who's strongly in one of these areas. It could be misleading, yeah. The job description itself could yeah. be looking for some particular type where the role itself might not be. So it all gets quite complicated, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful if we get to the point where we, you know. True, but that's. That's one of the great failures of, or well, that's one of the great problems of recruiting anyway, though, finding, you know, writing a job description that matches what the job is. We all come in with our particular biases, and um, people often tend to recruit people like themselves, as you said earlier. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if we'll ever get to the point where we have job advertisements seeking, you know, analytical tester, social tester, probably, possibly yeah. not, but, you know. Wine drinking test. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, where do I sign up? Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, there are. I mean, there are wine tasters. There are professional wine mm. tasters. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There are professional bed testers as well. Is there? What about yeah, professional chocolate tasters? I wonder if you could mash up and have a professional bed chocolate wine tester. And TV watcher tester. Yeah, that would be a great job. <laughs> yeah. I could get four salaries off of that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes, I'm a very well-paid sleeper and eater and watcher of TVs. Perfect. <laughs> uh, cool. We'd be like an oversleeping, sort of, slightly overweight al alcoholic in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> but well-paid. Yeah, very well-paid. Yeah, course, yeah. 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 Oh, dang it. I overslept. I won't be able to charge that back. <laughs> I'll have to sleep less tomorrow to yeah. balance my hours. I've yeah. been doing some overtime on the bed testing. <laughs> so that's, we're going right off point, right? Mm. Well, yeah, 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 I think it's um, an interesting conversation. I would like to hear from people that are listening to this where you fit. Yeah. 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 I'd look, um, I definitely would. Uh, get in touch. On the various channels, we've got at Super Testing Bros or Bro on the Twitter because annoyance. We've got the website, yeah, supertestingbros.com, or you can find us on Facebook, or you can email us at supertestingbros at gmail.com. So, yeah, I think 
does that kind of bring us to a natural sort of I think it conclusion? does. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a been interesting sort of sort of chat. I enjoyed it, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It's been really great to have you both on. Thanks for joining us today. We yeah, appreciate you both taking Thank the you. time. Thank you for having us. Um, do you have, uh, Paul, you're at Testing Rants, is that right? Yeah, that's me on, tw- on Twitter, yes. Yep, so, add Paul, Tutorial, are you a tweeter? Uh, not really, I'm quite bad at paying any attention to it. <laughs> it's probably for the best, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks okay. for listening, everyone, and we will see you again you. soon. Cheers. the